The views and opinions expressed by guests on Connected do not necessarily reflect those of Side Street Studio Arts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connected. This is the podcast from Side Street Studio Arts, where we have conversations with members of the arts community. This interview today is part of a special series we are doing called Vote Local, the Art in Local Politics. Uh, This is the, the first interview in our series where I am going to be interviewing the individuals running for city council in the 2021 election here in Elgin to understand where they stand in our world of arts and culture, um, what their policies are, what they're interested in. Because in this moment, we are not able to be in the galleries and on the streets and in the restaurants able to ask these folks these things and and stumble upon them. So to that end, I'm Erin Rayberg, the executive and co-executive director and co-founder of Side Street Studio Arts. And joining me this week is Dustin Good. Welcome, Dustin. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I've told Dustin, you know, we're doing a good chunk of these interviews and we're going to keep them to 30 minutes so that we can reach as many of the candidates as possible. And we're going to ask the candidates all the same questions because the point of these interviews is to gather the information in order to get it out to you, whoever is listening, in order to help you make your most informed voting decision when we get to Um, election day. Um, And hopefully everyone's going to get out there and vote. And this is just one piece of information you can use to um, help you in your decision. So I'm looking at the clock right now. So Dustin and I are going to try and try and stick to our time um, and and move through this conversation and, and stories and questions here. So Dustin, tell me your Elgin story. What are you doing here in Elgin? Um, so my story, I guess, officially starts back in October of 85 when I was born at Old Sherman Hospital. Um, my family does have roots in and around Elgin. So, you know, I had a couple of great grandparents, um, you know, live out their last days here in Elgin. Um, my grandparents had a spot on the outskirts of town. So I've had family roots here for a while, but, um, so I was born in 85, but I actually grew up in Streamwood. Um, I spent two years after high school in Marengo, and I ended up moving to Elgin in my early 20s. So um, needless to say, after spending time in Streamwood and Marengo, Elgin was a breath of fresh air. And it was the first time I felt like, okay, this is this is something I could wrap my arms around. I really liked it. Um, fell in love with the downtown. Um, and then the recession came around that same time, and that was what prompted me to strongly consider going to ECC. And, and I did that. So that was, I guess, the beginning of my Elgin involvement chapter. Um, I got really involved over there um, from just kind of changing my mindset as a student to be a good student and participate, show up to classes and do all that. Um, that led to opportunities to work in the student life department, um, work on the orientation team, you know, where I got to meet hundreds, well, thousands of students. Um, I was a transition academy mentor. I ended up being a peer leader, uh, ran for student trustee um, and won that race and then started the student organization of sustainability over there. So um, all of that kind of snowballed into involvement within Elgin um, specifically with their strategic plan advisory commission where I served from 2012, 2017. 
And that led to an opportunity to interview for the Downtown Neighborhood Association Board, um, where I initially focused a lot on the farmer market and now kind of shifting that focus to community engagement. Um, and I've also been involved with um, a group of local residents who have advocated and lobbied city council to help them help pads find their next home, their next location for a shelter. Um, I've been lucky enough to have a garden plot over at the Eastside Community Garden now for going on year three. And um, yeah, and also recently joined the community advisory board that Elgin Police Department has kind of spun up um, and has intentionally tried to shift that off to us to take the reins and, and lead those conversations. So that's kind of my formal involvement with Elgin. Um, as you can see, I love the city a lot and I've tried to get my hands on the things that are really important to me. Um, and I've also lived downtown for the last five and a half years. Um, I worked a good amount of those years um, bartending, serving and managing over at Public House. I bartended at, on the west side at Plank Road Tap Room. Um, you know, I've worked warehouses here in Elgin. I've worked on an organic vegetable farm here in Elgin. Um, so yeah, it, I guess that gives you some idea of my time that I've, the, the time that I've spent here in, in this great city. It seems like a, a natural tra trajectory, but why make the jump to run for Elgin City Council? Um, I, I think, you know, I, I love the city, right? And with every loving relationship, there's moments where, you know, you might be disappointed or upset um, because you just have, you, you see so much potential um, and you're trying to find ways to get there. And then there's a variety of obstacles that come in, in the way. So um, I think, you know, after my time on the strategic plan commission, that was the first time that it's kind of been, it was thrown in my ear, like, Hey, we want to use these committees as kind of a launch pad for people to consider that. Um, in my conversations with a lot of people, you know, being behind the bar, you know, if you ever sat at my bar for any amount of time, like we'll get past pleasantries and then it'll probably dive into a topic about <laughs> Elgin or something about local government or small, smaller cities. Um, and in a lot of those conversations, people are like, man, like you should, yeah, you should be like, you know, you should run or something. Um, and then, you know, what kind of kicked me in the, the butt a little bit was, you know, the story of AOC. Um, you know, that was one of those kind of like, she was a bartender. I was a bartender. Um, and it was weird because when I ran the first time, for those of you who don't know, I ran two years ago. Um, you know, I looked at my background at that point in time, you know, I was blue collar out of high school. I was a mechanic initially by trade. You know, I've spent some time in horticulture, working in classrooms, but, you know, I've always had a second job in food service. And when I ran, I was bartending. So I kind of looked at that as like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, it, with hindsight now, I realized it was, it's a great asset to, to be in a community, having those kind of informal conversations. You get into really good conversations. You can identify trends. Um, people are a little bit more revealing, I think, you know, not only in that setting, but especially after a beverage or two. Um, so in 2019, you know, her move in such a big role, you know, going against such a huge can, I was like, you know, what, what the heck, like why, what's stopping me from doing it? Um, and I also saw things happening within the city with people departing that I was like, what's going on. So, um, I really wanted to get a better handle on it and also inject some of the ideas that I had during the SPAC years. Um, and, and then the subsequent years after that, that I would really like to try and influence, um, you know, the direction of the city for the future. So, um, we didn't, we didn't win last time. We came very close. Um, and, and that's part of the reason why we're running again is because any part of a proper relationship, you know, if I love Elgin, that's one thing, but the, the city has to love me back. Um, and so what we saw is that we had really good turnout for 
you know, first time candidate, not knowing how to run a campaign, you know, working in a, in untraditional hours, you know, it, it's hard to um, be involved in the community when you don't work a Monday through Friday, nine to five job. Um, a community engagement, I guess, before the pandemic was largely set up to um, accommodate those individuals. So that was challenging, but we did have a, a big turnout and we had a lot of the unusual suspects show up. And that's what our, our big goal is um, going forward is to get people who aren't typically at the table um, at the table and, and represent you know, the entirety of the city and not just those who show up to the meetings. Um, we can make it more accessible for people. And so that's our, our big intent. Um, but I know that's not enough. You know, we have to have relationships. So over this you know, past decade or so, I've been lucky enough to work with individuals at ECC, the city, U46. And I'm a big believer that, you know, city council should be convening these forces that are in our community, right? Like we live in Elgin and we pay taxes to these different entities, whether it's the library or the school districts, um, but we don't necessarily work that well together. So, you know, something that I stay up at night thinking about sometimes is like, what would it look like if these different institutions decided to hire a community engagement person or a community engagement department that was funded by all of them, right? So instead of one of them, you know, making the full investment, it's, it's spread out. And um, that way you have people touching all of those bases when they're considering community engagement, because it's not enough to just do it for one entity, right? You don't want to just do community outreach to students and parents. There's also other people in the district. Um, so we want to bring institutions together. We want to bring the unusual suspects out to help guide these plans. Um, and, and we really just want to help bring the city forward. You know, the, the next decade is going to be challenging. And, you know, what I've spent some of my professional time working on since the pandemic started is community engagement specifically in, in cities of our size. So we're seeing this move in the professional world to, you know, we have remote meetings. Um, we have some in-person meetings. We're recording those meetings and we're building feedback loops in so that people who can't attend for the live meeting still have a chance to have input. Um, so we really want to make sure that um, what you typically see in the private sector where it lags behind the private and professional world um, that we're doing our best to make sure that we're staying up to speed and allowing um, those engagement tools to reach our public um, and do it in a really intentional um, and like aggressively inclusive way. Um, it's, it's hard to get the unusual suspects out, but if you put the right people um, behind those efforts and, and give them the resources, I think we can finally start to tap into our biggest asset, which is the diversity of, of the community. And you're kind of talking about those communication structures coming from like the inside of the city out for, is, is that what you mean by, you know, kind of diversifying the ways we're communicating and reaching people? Yeah. Ultimately what I would like to see is a, just the leaders step up and say, this is what we want to do. Right. And we're going to put our money where our mouth is. We don't want to say, oh yeah, it's a diverse community, but you don't actually get to those voices when you're making decisions that directly impact those communities. Um, what I ultimately would like to see is more residents to resident communication. Um, I would like to see the existing structures, whether it's a neighborhood association or a committee or commission, to have kind of a uniformed way of gathering feedback and then have that dropped on the plates of city management and city council members. Um, so I don't necessarily want to rely on city council and city management to put these initiatives in place, but I do want to make sure that as we work, I guess, from the grassroots level, that when we are trying to capture these voices and structure valuable input that it's in a framework that's easy and accessible and makes sense to, you know, decision makers. Um, 
And I think realistically, it, it should start at the neighborhood level because each neighborhood has their own set of unique circumstances. So an example would be right now, we have the community advisory boards for the police department. Neighborhood associations have their meetings, but they don't necessarily have a breakdown of crime stats for their neighborhood. Um, so when you talk about crime stats as an overall of Elgin, that's useful to a point, but it might not necessarily get to the neighborhood level and help that neighborhood association identify the issue and then start to put in uh, milestones to see if they're making progress or backsliding. Um, so I think breaking down the crime data that we have into neighborhood levels, um, taking our 311 data and breaking that down to neighborhood levels can help you know, take data that the city is already collecting and put it in the hands of residents so they can at least have data informed decisions. Um, but we also need to make sure those neighborhood groups are representative of their neighborhoods, right? Um, you know, even as part of my neighborhood association in the downtown, um, we just had our retreat. And as part of that, I was like, hey, you know, raise your hand if you're a renter. And I was the only person that raised my hand. So, um, you know, that's true of other neighborhoods around here where you typically see these neighborhood groups are made up of homeowners, which I know how it got to that point. But as we move forward to see how are we going to move into the next decade or even beyond that, it's important to have renters at the table. It's important to, to acknowledge that some neighborhoods um, are really, um, I guess, geographically segregated. You know, you can go into some neighborhoods and you might be in that same neighborhood association, but north of this street or south of that street is a completely different landscape. Um, and, and some of those voices aren't heard. So I think it's important to identify representation in the neighborhood association, have intentional outreach. Once you get people to the table, have them engage in a calendar um, of reviewing issues for their neighborhood, and then drop a nice package on the table of city council at the at the key moments, specifically budget season. Um, so, you're you're mentioning downtown, and of course, you live here, are involved here. Side Street is, of course, uh, resides in downtown Elgin, and we know that typically in communities, downtowns can be hubs for arts and cultural activities. Do you feel this is true of our downtown and can or should more be done to support a vibrant downtown Elgin? And then, you know, kind of off to the side of this question, are there any other potential hub areas outside of the downtown? A lot of times people like you and I can talk about downtown for a long time because we're here so much, right? But but Elgin is a big place. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I really am fortunate in my corner of the downtown, right? So for a long time, you know, I, I lived right across the street from the, the place I worked. So I could walk across the street. I could do a bartending shift while I'm there. I'm meeting individuals and they're saying, hey, what's going on tonight? And I'm like, hey, go hit the farmer market. And then afterwards hit the, you know, hit side street. Um, you know, it, it's just this nice little corner of activity. And and we owe a lot of that to side street and, and what you've done for creating a space for artists to come to. Um, and now seeing the influence and impact of that organization actually reach out onto physical spaces in this area. Um, so I, I do think that if you look at communities that are developing, a lot of times what starts the development is artists. Um, and just looking at that from the economic standpoint, places with low rent um, are what you know artists can afford as they're trying to launch their career. So they go into these spaces um, and, and then next thing you know, there's like, this activity that's happening and there's beautification happening and there's places for people to gather and, you know, share things that are not in these, this analytical, you know, I guess, job environment. It's more of just kind of like what humans have done forever. So I think that, you know, when I first started getting involved with Elgin, art space lofts was one of the big topics of discussion. And I was excited, you know, I was just like, okay, maybe this is something for me. And I, I think I applied. And at the time I made too much money or something, but 
Um, you know, I, I like ceramics. I'm a ceramic artist. So that was something where I was like, okay, this could be a nice um, pairing. And as, as I've seen from the city side, you know, they've, they've said they want to be a community of the arts um, and they've done some things, but, you know, it, and, and I don't think the city is necessarily the, the best place to be driving, um, I guess, art, but they need to enable it. And they also need to get out of the way when they're in the way. Um, so I, I think that the success of your organization and some of the other art providers in the downtown area has, has made us a hub. Um, you know, I do think that there's more that we could do to foster that. And that could even touch on things that necessarily aren't directly tied to supporting the arts. And that could be, you know, making sure that it's easy to do business so that we have more restaurants and bars in the area, um, making sure that we're uh, fostering safe space. And I'm talking about like commuters, like it's safe to walk in the downtown, um, making sure that there is a feeling of safety. Um, somebody who's worked in the bar scene, you know, I know what it's like to look at our sales numbers and wonder why do our sales take a dip in the nightlife on the weekend when all these other communities up and down the Fox River, that's when they're booming. Um, and it you it doesn't matter if you're trying to present somebody with crime stats saying it's safe down here. If they don't feel they're safe, they're not going to come down. Um, so I think that the city should probably try to build out a robust um, downtown just vitality in general. And I think by doing that, you're going to have a, a more people supporting the art scene in our downtown. Um, when it comes to other hubs in the community, again, my bias ECC hat is on, but I think that ECC stands to be a place where there could be more community gatherings, more art events. Um, and that really helps us touch on the West side. Um, and, and I don't see why that should be limited to just ECC. I think, you know, having Judson, um, you know, and again, architecture isn't always looked at as maybe like art. Um, but I think there's this nice cross-section of where architecture, um, you know, livability, um, the beautification of spaces comes into play. So I think that's another asset we have in the community to tap into. And even the high schools, you know, Larkin and Elgin High, you know, it'd be nice to see maybe a friendly competition between the two become like who can be the most beautiful campus, you know? Um, and I don't know if that's changing the the floors of the hallways in the school or the exterior of it. But, you know, I, I think naturally look to these educational institutions and these public institutions um, to look at the arts as a way to up the um, the value of their aesthetics. And, and, you know, I think just involve more people in their community. What has been your past involvement in supporting the arts? You've, you've mentioned a couple things, but in, in all of the offerings in Elgin for arts and culture, what have you been involved in? Um, I'd say my first, you know, I, I think there's, so there's different levels of involvement. I think one of my first things I ever reached out to, I think it was you guys, actually. I think when I first moved here, um, you know, a few friends and a few friends of mine, um, we would play music together and we eventually got to the point where like the basement was just too small. Um, we reached out to you guys and I think it was Tanner showed us around. It was like, yeah, we've got this space, this space, just let us know. Um, and, and we balked at it and we just like, it just fell apart. Um, Wait, musicians formally, balking at that? I can't believe that. <laughs> I know, right? That's unheard of <laughs> to have a half-baked idea. Um, yeah, so we didn't fully commit there, but at, at ECC, I definitely fully committed to their ceramics program. Um, that was so valuable, not only for me to, um, you know, test out something that I had dabbled with in high school and, and take it to the next level, but it, the the community that was built in to that lab, um, just the overall vibe, it was really one of those moments for me that, you know, coming from 
you know, blue collar family that like, we never had music on in the house really. We didn't have any art. It was all, you know, like working on cars and, and home remodeling and stuff like that. That was the first time where I was sitting in an environment where there's music on, um, you know, people could sit there and create their own art, but if they wanted to talk to somebody next to them or get advice from somebody who was more advanced than they were, it was there. Um, so that was, and forever will be one of my favorite spots in Elgin. Um, beyond that, I mean, my, my better half and I like to take in concerts and performances around the area. You know, we've been to shows at the Blizzard Theater at ECC, the Hammonds, Wing Park. Uh, we've been to uh, a handful of your Battle of the Bands shows, which are our favorites, not only for the convenience of being right around the corner, but um, really good music. Like we've had, we like the, all of us who have gone to concerts, like I've been to over a hundred concerts in my life, you know, that there's sometimes it's not, it's not great. Um, but we've found that the battle of the bands is incredible, you know, and I think anybody who follows the scene locally has, has seen there's some bands that have really grown some legs from their start around here and it blossomed. So um, those are our favorites. We're, we also hit the art and soul show. Um, there's a handful of artists over there that we would like to support every year. Um, some local, I think one of them may have moved out to the Calb area. Um, I had word of mouth, you know, as a bartender, like I said, I, you know, that's one of my favorite things to bring up is, you know, a Elgin in general, but when people are like, what should we do down here? It's always like, just go around the corner. Um, you know, especially on a Friday, it was easy. Cause it's like, you're, you're here, you're starting your afternoon, go to the farm market, go take in, um, the art studio. You know, if it was later at night, like just being, you know, back across the street at the bar as, uh, as a guest instead of an employer or employee, um, you know, having some friends that you're talking to at the bar, you meet some other people who are there and you say, Hey, we're going over here. Like, come with us. And, and um, it's just the, the little things like that. So we, we could definitely do better in our, our contributions um, to the art scene, whether it be through financial support um, or through social media. I'm, I'm not a heavy user of social media, but now that we're campaigning and we're seeing that there's growing numbers online, um, we need to do a better job of sharing artists work and, and their projects. Um, so we could definitely do more and, and that was what we were hoping, you know, we had heard of this last stop music festival that was being planned. Um, and so, you know, it's something that, that I really wanted to see a band that I saw in Chicago a couple of years ago, I thought would really be a great fit for Elgin. Um, so it's not going to happen because of pandemic, at least in the time frame that I had hoped it would happen. But that's something I would like to do too, is to try and reach out to other artists that, you know, might not be from Elgin, but would be a good fit for Elgin. And maybe bring some of the audience from the Chicagoland area out here so they can see what we have to offer and experience our space. You mentioned last stop and, you know, which is on a shelf over there <laughs> somewhere um, and battle of the bands, which last summer went totally virtual and is not the same experience at all. Um, but because of this moment, because of the COVID pandemic, individual artists, musicians, arts organizations like ourselves, presenting organizations in Elgin and beyond are suffering, right? We're one of the first industries to get shut down. We'll be one of the last to open. You've been to battle bands, right? A hundred people, more than that in the small gallery space. That is not a responsible way to spend our time right now. Um, so in this moment, what do you see Elgin currently doing to support arts, nonprofits, arts organizations, individual artists? And do you think there's more or something different that can be done moving forward um, for recovery? Yeah, I mean, so the the city and the Cultural Arts Commission, you know, doing the neighborhood grant, the organizational grant, individual grants um, is good, right? That Those are good programs to have. And it's always going to be a topic for debate when budget season comes up to see 
should we be spending more money in those areas? Um, a, I would say yes. And, and I think we'll probably touch on this a little bit later why I say yes. Um, but I think that, you know, we should probably, you know, part of what DNA did over COVID was we created the business adaptation grant um, and it was successful. And I think maybe we should consider doing something like that for, for artists and just making funds readily available. Um, and maybe not just like, hey, sign your name here and we give you money. Um, but maybe as part of the application process, help them go through some steps to professionalize their backlog of um, of material so that you're not only making sure they they meet the requirements for said grant, but they're also positioning themselves to have a professional appearance when that time is suitable for them. Um, I also think that it's important that as the city goes forward with planning that we embed artists in basically all of our planning. Um, I think what the pandemic has has shown is that a, you know, there's the obvious one of essential workers and, and what do we actually value as a society when we have free time, right? So everybody's missing their, their time out with friends and family, whether it be at a restaurant or, or taking in cultural activities. Um, and I think it's in our best interest to get artists to the table because they're the ones who are creating. They're the ones that know what is successful. And they're also the ones that are willing to push the envelope a little bit. So not only do I think that they're valuable to have that mindset in planning that might not relate directly back to arts um, just for the sake of getting new energy there. But I think that we need to be looking through the lens of beautifying and creating engaging spaces in our community as a way forward, especially to differentiate ourselves from other communities, whether it be in the region or, or just nationally as remote workers look to move to new communities. Um, I think, you know, there's always opportunities to partner with artists or showcase artists. You know, we have a handful of successful artists in this community. Um, so I think it could be valuable to just try and seek them out and, and showcase them, whether it be something really easy and informal, like, you know, hey, check that this is our featured artist that resides in Elgin or does work in Elgin um, from the city side. And, and again, I, city might not always be the best to lead these efforts, but they do have a huge audience. Um, and I think you know, it's going to be helpful for people to understand the realities of artists. Um, you know, I, I'm, I guess, pretty close to that being food service. You know, we were wiped out and it's going to be slow to get back to normal, but there's been wiggle room in there. Right. And, and a, like somewhat formal wiggle room where it's like, okay, we know what this here, we're going to be able to go back and do this. Um, but with artists, it's way more ambiguous. So I think it's going to be important that as we get through this, you know, murky water phase that we have leaders saying, this is important to us. Like, and we, want to involve you in the planning. We want to involve you in having a say in what these spaces are going to look like and how we involve people. Um, so it's just, again, in, including them more in the formal events as well. I mean, I think anybody who got a chance to watch the inauguration, you know, for our new president, you know, seeing a poet laureate speak, I mean, that was impactful. That's going to stick with people, I think, longer than any of the other speeches. So I think there's opportunities for the formalized meetings of Elgin to adapt more of that as well. Um, and I think also just like, you know, waiving fees, you know, and, and making it easy for people to go and, and do their thing, whether it's at Wing Park, you know, they should have a calendar of events. There should be a, a concert in the park every weekend. And I, I don't care if it's the same reoccurring artist or if it's, you know, something that's not known. We have local musicians. Um, we're going to need to try and take the, the, the flexibility that we do have, which is going to be tricky, right? It's going to have to all be outside. Um, but we're going to have to utilize that as much as possible to not only give the residents um, something to do and an outlet to, to engage, but to give artists a chance to present themselves and showcase themselves to the city and, and residents. So, um, yeah, I just think that 
in a lot of ways, you know, kind of just get out of the way, <laughs> like see, see what works, go there. And, you know, there's this thing called tactical urbanism. I was listening to something recently and it was this group that would go around and they would help uh, set up these little pop-up events and largely working with local artists. And they would vow- invite city council members to come to these events and be like, see, look, at it. it's so beautiful and it's lively. People are happy. They're spending money. And city council members would be like, yeah, this is great. Let's, you know, let's see more of this. And then they would break out the list of all the rules that they were violating, right? Um, so at a certain point, we need to come face to face with how these ordinances came into place in the, uh, to begin with and start getting rid of them, you know, for <laughs> like a better terms. Let's just make it easier for people to be creative and, and make our spaces um, enjoyable to to be part of and walk through and bike through. Um, yeah, I think that touches on pedestrian stuff, you know, walkability and bikeability, um, which I think plays in with the arts. Um, but I don't, yeah, for the sake of time, I don't know if we should dive into <laughs> that right now. Well, you, you know, a lot of things you mentioned sound like you know, Elgin often calls itself a city of the arts. And, and if we transcend this COVID-19 moment, they sound like a lot of things that you would like to transcend, just uh, getting us back to a state of productivity and, and beyond there. Yeah, I, I think that we need to foster creativity. And I think we need to, where the city can really play a part is navigating the, the just gross part of regulations and liability. Let's really iron that out. So it's really quick, rapid um, response to when ideas pop up. Um, you know, and I guess just to my experience a little bit, I've had conversations with people where they'll say, you know, we want the city to be known for the arts. Um, but then they'll also say, well, that I didn't really care for that. Um, so it's, it's hard, you know, it's like you, if you're going to call yourself a city of the arts, you have to accept art, you know, and art is supposed to, um, in some cases make you experience feelings. And sometimes that those feelings might be discomfort, but, um, I think that's a part of being, a growing individual as part of being a growing community. Um, art helps us confront our past um, and it helps us see a better future. So I think all of the savvy communities around the country and around the world for that matter are embracing artists. Um, and, and the embrace of artists is from the city side, basically just get out of their way, let them, let them do their thing um, and, and make sure that you're, what you can do is build in a lot of um, foot traffic around them and, and then just sit back and reap the benefits. We have just a couple minutes left, so I wanted to know if there's anything else. You know, we we got through a lot, and I know all of these we're going to want to keep talking about. But is there anything else you want us to know? You know about the arts and culture, about what what you're doing in general. Um, you know, I think right now it's just important to find ways to get people outside. Um, and you know, campaigning during a pandemic is tricky because it's you know you're the main goal of a campaign is to come in contact with as many people as possible and, and we can't. So, um, you know, what we're trying to do is to create ways for people to have fun with a campaign while um, participating in art. So whether that's going to be a promo to like, Hey, um, you know, take a selfie with a, a yard sign and you'll be entered in uh, a, a, you know, an opportunity for, so we haven't officially announced these things, but I guess I will say this. So we'll do like, uh, you know, if you take a selfie with our yard sign, um, you'll be entered in for a chance to win a gift certificate for um, a tattoo. Um, you know, I have, I have friends that work in that space and they have stepped up and said, hey, that's something that we're, we're cool with doing, we're willing to do. Um, we also want to explore the possibility of doing like a, a geocache uh, campaign. It's geocaches are like an adult, it doesn't have to be for adults, but it's basically <laughs> like a digital scavenger hunt. Um, so we would like to 
have those spread out around the downtown and other areas in the city too. But a lot of our art is focused in the downtown area. Um, you know, and we've got some other plans that we hope to execute here in the next few weeks, which we won't do a full reveal on those yet. Um, but very focused on um, getting residents together virtually, um, but with an art component and a chance to just have a conversation o- over um, doing something creative. So. Dustin, yeah. thank you so much for being here. If people have questions or want to find you or find out more about you, where should they go? What should they do? So we're on, uh, you know, the social media channels for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, mostly Facebook at this moment, which is good for Elgin. And I have a website, dustinggood.com. And on there, you can find a way to get in contact through email, um, we can get get on a phone together, video conferences. Um, it's going to be interesting to campaign this cycle, but we'll be doing a lot of virtual meetings. Um, so yeah, just remember dustingood.com. That's kind of the hub for all of it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you listeners. Thank you. Follow Connected, follow Side Street Studio Arts, rate, review, all the stuff you're supposed to do with podcasts so more people will come find us. Um, again, this is part of our Vote Local series, uh, the art and local politics. Make sure you're thinking about your voting plan in this moment to get out there and vote local. Um, follow Side Street Studio Arts at sidestreetstudioarts.org and all the social medias we've been talking about. Um, and we'll start rolling these out to get the information out there. Dustin Good, thank you again and uh, be well. Yeah, thank you so much for for having me. And um, yeah, for everybody, remember the vote is April 6th is the big day and early voting will start March 22nd. So get out there and vote. Put it on the calendar. Thanks, Dustin. Connected is a Side Street Studio Arts production. Music by Tanner Melvin. Produced by Nick Mataragas. To find out more about Connected and all the great things Side Street Studio Arts offers, please visit sidestreetstudioarts.org.